Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. It's Sunday night, we're recording, not that that matters, and I'm Boyd Hilton and Psychic Psychic Josh is uh, resplendent in his Soho House style office. Hi Josh. Boyd, good to be here. I think it does matter. Important to give context exactly when we're recording. Yeah, maybe it does, Um, yeah, maybe it does. Just because some people might not listen to this until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, sometimes... 10 days pretty much don't we until right. the next game so right. loads of opportunity yeah sometimes it takes days for it to arrive as well on the old uh, on the old iTunes in particular for some reason who knows who knows it's the mysteries of the podcast world and we're joined by a uh, staunch regular Dean of AFC Camden fame uh, influencer um, pilot beardy man uh, what else can I say um <laughs> Purveyor of quite good um, gossip on uh, on his Twitter feed, I think. It's very safe to say. How are you feeling, Dean? Uh, feeling good. I also, you're far too generous uh, no, with no. that introduction. It's but, true. Uh, it's all much true. appreciated. Much appreciated. Um, but very good to be here. Any before we begin the uh, look at the game on Saturday? Uh, any rumours? Any chance that we linked with anyone? Any possible? It feels very quiet at the moment. There was a little bit of Benzema speculation a couple of days ago. <laughs> that seemed to disappear as, as soon as it started. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Any anything on the line? And or, or or just the fact that we won five nil suddenly mean that we don't need any more forwards? It's all fine, and we're all going to be great. Don't know what the fuss is about. To be honest, you know, yeah. five goals against Palace at home. You know, who needs a striker? Um, yeah. It does feel very quiet. You know, I'm not seeing mm. much of Fabrizio Romano on my timeline or David Ornstein, which you'd expect to see more of during the January transfer window. Mm. Looks like FFP's finally got some teeth by the looks of things. But um, on, on the Arsenal front, I would say there was definitely a bit of chat about striker stuff, but I think it's always been the case for us that we needed to sell to buy and it doesn't look like we're going to be selling anyone this window, Boyd. So, um, yeah, sure. I think the summer it is. Wow. Oh dear. But That's let's good. see. Obviously, anything can change, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Josh, how are you? You, don't, you haven't got, heard anything on the grapevine of all of your footballer friends? Disappointingly, not. I'm afraid it, it feels, as Dean has said, that um, generally it's been a quiet window. That was what um, someone I was with last week, who, who's at one of the major uh, football agencies, was saying across the board. Really, you know, it's just there just isn't the the volume of deals going on that um, has been seen in, in previous uh, transfer windows, and it doesn't feel like there's uh, there's going to be anywhere near the action that we've seen in in previous years. It um, has not, not, none of Arteta's comments have indicated otherwise as well, we have to Mm. say. Not that he uh, would be going out and telling us he's he's in the market, but the whole vibe doesn't really appear to uh, have been that we are. In fact, the the comments have been centred around the supporting the players we have and backing them and, you know, trying really to maybe, um, you know, take some conversation away from the idea that this squad needs improving and, you know, he can do it with this, uh, with this squad. And that was a direction of questioning, wasn't it? After the, after the win, you know, yeah, yeah. is this squad good enough? Yeah. What do we think? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm delighted as I am that we, we restored ourselves to goal scoring and winning ways. I mean, Palace were absolutely terrible, weren't they? Weren't they? Um, Dean and, we it was I felt like it was the minimum 
response really to their terribleness was and we got two set piece goals and we we have had a problem we, we you know we've been we are confirmly firmly confirmed as the best team at set piece goals in the league which is great something to be proud of i suppose but we really need to start scoring more from 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 general play and you know trossard i guess what did you make first let's start with this what did you make of picking trossard ahead of martinelli and did the fact that he scored the key the third goal from open play mean that that decision was justified and um and you know you should take credit for that very interesting one um about trossard actually because i don't think many of us fancy him on the wing he just doesn't have the the pace or the power to beat a man i don't think out there i think he looks better in the middle um, just quickly step back to your initial point about Palace. Agree, they were absolutely dreadful. But it was only four weeks ago that they drew 2-2 with City at the Etihad, yeah. right? So, you know, things can change very quickly in football. And, you know, I had a few mates who were pretty nervous about the result. You know, Josh and I saw each other briefly before the game. And, you know, we talked about, look, just get a couple of early goals to settle the nerves. Because if that didn't happen, it could have been a different game. But, you know, I do agree that they they weren't very good on the day, Boyd. But uh, in terms of Trossard, prefer him in the middle than on the wing. My biggest takeaway from that move was not necessarily Trossard's performance as a starter, but was having someone like Martinelli on the bench for the last mm. 20 minutes to come on, given the game was a bit more open because Palace needed to score, right? But like, think about being a really tired fullback and then seeing Gabriel Martinelli come off the bench the last 20 minutes. And you know he's just going to do one thing. He's going to either get the ball and dribble at you, or he's going to try and run in behind you. And it was a very, very dangerous weapon to have, I felt, in the last 20 minutes. And I, I feel like I want to see more of that. But obviously, I want to see Martinelli start games too. So, mm. you know, I, I don't want to take away from having him in the starting eleven. But it was a real signal to, to the manager to say, look, we need something like that on the bench for games where it is, you know, maybe tighter, but the fences are tiring. Someone who's just direct, who's going to run at fullbacks, who's going to run in behind, even if it, there isn't as much space that Palace afforded us. So... Yeah, I think I think that was a bigger takeaway for me, Boyd, rather than Trossard starting, because we we know about Trossard's quality. I think he's better in the middle than on the wing, and he had a good game. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what you guys think about you know Gabby coming off the bench and you know looking super. Yeah, friendly. it's a good point. He he, you know, he did he did come off the bench. And I, I, just go back to Trossard a bit. I mean, I, the thing I've been a bit critical of him um, on the podcast, and I'm not fully convinced that he's that great. But um, the one big huge plus point, I think of yesterday, of the Saturday game, was the fact that he wasn't taking corners anymore. And, of course, Declan Rice took the corner that led to the first goal. Brilliantly, brilliant delivery from Declan Rice. And they've clearly, if one great thing has happened, as I tweeted this on, on Saturday after the game, in, in the in the break, uh, is that they've realised, with, with with one thing that we all realised months ago, that Chosser cannot take a corner to save his fucking life. And thankfully, he's removed, been removed from corner duties, but it's amazing how much difference that makes, isn't it? How how important it is to get a good delivery. And Saka, I think, is pretty reliable um, delivery. And um, but but yeah, it's it just that was absolutely key. The fact that suddenly Declan Rice took that corner, really important. And um, and so, but beyond that, I think um, I think it is a good weapon to have Martinelli on the bench coming on. I agree with that, but I'm not I'm not entirely convinced against say I don't know a really strong, a really good team, Liverpool will be playing fairly soon, that Trossard's going to provide that much in that, you know, in that kind of game. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Well, Martinelli had not been uh, at the level that we have come to expect. I don't think it's surprising to see him uh, drop to the bench. And it's perfect, right? If you had to say, you're 3-0 up, Martinelli's coming onto the pitch, what do you want to happen? So two goals, nice finishes. He's doubled his tally for the season in the space of that substitute cameo. Had a refresh. They've all been to, you know, Dubai and and hanging out in a bit of sun. Um, you know, the, the second half of the season starts here. And if that's how uh, Martelli has started um, as he could go on, then that completely changes what we could expect from the second yeah. half of, a, of an Arsenal front three. Have you ever seen... Sorry to interrupt. Have you ever seen two such incredible mm. similar goals scored by the same player in in the space of two minutes in the in injury time in added time? It was insane how similar. Like the passes were even really similar, wasn't it? The the first, I mean, the goalkeeper played a big part as well. But like the passes and his runs and then his fi- his finish for both goals was astonishingly the same. I've never seen anything like it. It was remarkable. Yeah, it was it was absolutely remarkable. Uh, the same finish, 
Thierry Henry-esque if we yeah. thinking back to that sort of cold finish into the into the far corner. But Arteta was asked about it in the in the post-match conference and he said as much about how, you know, he, he referenced confidence. So, you know, acknowledging maybe there had been a, an issue there with Martinelli and that he hopes this completely changes things. And uh, yeah, we all, we all got to hope so too. What Just talking of things that were, you know, happened obviously in twos, we did think being there that Gabriel had, had scored twice until mm. the second of those had been uh, taken off him. And I, I was with um, a friend of mine, Lewis, who, who you've met, Boyd. Yeah. Um, we were then immediately pondering, has a defender ever scored a hat-trick in the Premier League? And we were thinking, mm-hmm. well, we're, you know, never mind has an Arsenal defender. has a, And uh, apparently the closest thing to that happening is, is Steve Watson scored... Wow. Um, Scored a, has scored a Premier League hat trick, but um, was playing in a in a more attacking role apparently on on that occasion. So it was a bit of a uh, not quite the sort of purest answer in the sense. So yeah, we I, I thought we might be onto some Premier League history there with mm. with Gabriel, but then it would have been uh, taken away. With did the, you see the own goal? Did you see the post match interview with Gabriel and uh, Martinelli together on on yes. TNT Sport? Where by the the interviewer, well, I don't can't remember her name. Jules Breach. Thank you. Uh, Jules Breach said to said to Gabriel, "They've ruled it off off of your second goal." Sorry, and he completely ignored her and just carried on saying, "I've scored two goals." He said it about ten times. <laughs> he didn't understand. And also, uh, okay. what was so sweet, I was watching that interview as well. I know later. what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Can I guess what you're going to say? Because I noticed it as well. You're going to say uh, Gabrielle kind of tugged at Martinelli, didn't he? His shorts, because he couldn't understand what the fuck she was saying, <laughs> so that Martinelli could answer the question. Yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. It was really sweet. It was like he won't realise that actually his whole body's in shot, and he's just yeah. nudging his mate to answer questions yeah. for him, um, just to get him away. It was very, very sweet. Um, so yeah, good, uh, good on him. Um, but yeah, I'm not. Maybe he doesn't even still realise. Maybe he still thinks he scored two goals. Yeah, probably. I don't know at what probably. point. If he's on a goal bonus and he checks at the end of the month, maybe he'll yeah. realise when he starts to wonder why, why it's not there. But it was another example of Arsenal sharing the goals out, wasn't it? Which is mm. uh, well, we've got to. I mean, we to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dean, I mean, it was Gabriel. Someone pointed out um, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. Prominent Arsenal fan. I should have made note. Saying Gabriel has one, been one of the best signings of of recent history. I think that's true. I think I, I mean it's something that I admit I haven't fully kind of thought about. But he has been Mister Reliable, hasn't he? Through thick and thin, through bad times, through good times, always a danger on plates on corners like that. He, and, he, and he seems like a good guy as well. Like you know, from the fact that he clearly can't understand, he doesn't speak English <laughs> that well. But yeah. we have to hail him, don't we, to some extent? I think. Yeah, I think he's very, very dependable. He's available most weeks. You know, he plays most games, which is a key quality for any player, right? You know, being available and uh, playing uh, most of the fixtures throughout the season. Um, I think he was one of the f- first proper signings we made under the kind of new leadership with mm-hmm. Arteta and Edu taking the reins. And but he's been great. I think the reason he doesn't get the plaudits that he should get is because of the man standing next to him is just mm-hmm. a Ro- Rolls Royce of a centre back, and you can understand why he gets a lot of attention just by the way he plays. He has more, I'd say, highlight reel moments, uh, Willie Saliba, in comparison to Gabriel. But I, I, I love Gabby's aggression in both boxes more than anything. You know, he attacks the ball, um, and and Arteta made a good point. There's no reason why Saliba shouldn't be, you know, equally as aggressive from set pieces and. You know, we scored the most goals from set pieces this season. We would all love to see more goals from open play, but if we can marry up the two and become, you know, a really powerful team from set pieces, then yeah, it it just gives us that extra dimension, doesn't it? But yeah, agree with your point. Uh, I think he's been great for us since signing. Good value for money as well. What was it? 30 odd million? Mm. I think if you were to price him up nowadays, you're looking at a centre-back worth 60 or 70 million quid. Oh, easily. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, you you talk about Gabriel there and how solids and this and that and yet you know cast our mind back to the uh, opening day of the season and he, he wasn't oh, yeah. starting was right he? good so point yeah is a is a that is seems a, unreal now doesn't it like yeah. what the fuck is anyone I'd like someone to, someone to ask us what were you, what was that all about That's great man of... management great man management right Put him on the bench for a couple of games you know, yeah mistakes Gabriel be better on the ball and look at it it's worked the treat uh, no I think the reality is I had some you know creative thinking in mind in terms of you know, getting an extra midfielder um, into play by having Thomas Party at right back and almost playing with three centre-backs and going man for man against most teams at the back. But um, 
I think most of us would agree we're happy to see Gabriel in the starting eleven, even though it probably oh. injury for that to, to come about. Hundred percent. What do we make? We should address some. Some people have said. In fact, I think Roy Hodgson said both goals were fouls by our. You know, and he did climb. Over. I mean, there is a and Gary Neville posted a picture of of the first goal and his hands on the defenders, comparing it to the famous Newcastle goal that we that we, that, that was. Uh, that was scored against us and saying, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Is there, what do we make of those? Is it the same? Is it the same kind of foul? Should it, you know, or was he just, he was, he was definitely climbing on the, on the defender using him as they were saying slightly ambiguously on, um, on the, on the match coverage. What did you make of both? Were there, was there any case for, for that? They were fouls. Dean, <laughs> going to you first. <laughs> After you, sir. Um, you know what? I, I've not seen the goals back. Since, no, really. Um, really. Since watching the game live uh, yesterday more, uh, afternoon, mm. but from my position, I'm, I'm so far away from it. I'm, I'm the other side uh, of the ground. Um, you know, this is from... very Arsene Wenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Post-match interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to figure out who okay. scored most of the time. Just that right, right. It was I, quite I far away. But Boyd, Boyd gets on. home and watches a whole two hours back. Never mind oh, yeah. watching the goals back, Dean. And I'm like, I will watch the highlights back. So we've got all three options here. Josh, you you don't watch anything <laughs> more I'm doing than the that. Post-match. TNC Sport has an hour and a half um, build-up now. They start on the on the Saturday morning game. They start at eleven o'clock. Well. When you've got I mean, Martin Keown on the telly, then you do want to watch uh, an hour and a half. Quite right. Everyone else only needs half an hour. True. Martin. true. I love Martin so much. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I thought he was climbing uh, a little mm. bit, Gabriel, and certainly one of them where if it's given, I don't think right. it's overturned. So yeah. I think it was in that grey area of probably slightly fortunate, but admittedly not enough to probably over overturn it. So... You can understand Hodgson's frustrations and maybe it's easier for Hodgson to start banging on about that than it is to sort of accept how mm. you know, the roundly second... beaten they were and the fans are yeah. making their protests. How do they oh. get that banner in? I swear, I, I mean, like, do they? Oh, do they I know. Such, I, I'm not objecting. They're welcome to do their, their banners. It's just like, you know, I don't know yeah. how they get these big banners in. Also, that banner was so funny, I thought, because the wording was so kind of like um, civilised. It was like weak decisions. <laughs> I was like, I'm, you know, like these people, I feel like need a slight lesson in activism. You imagine people like marching through London, going, weak decisions. It's not like the, it's not. It was not... wasted potential on and off the pitch, weak decisions <laughs> taking us backwards. I mean. <laughs> plenty of banner. That's yeah, for sure. I, I yeah. agree. How, how have they got that into the stadium? Uh, but yeah, they're very similar of them. And um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at social media, I think they're not not too pleased with the ownership, are they? And well, they should never have sat Patrick Vieira. If you well, me. exactly. Yeah, but that, that was the Patrick Vieira did brilliantly, didn't he? Really? I mean, he had a you know he started. That shows you how stupid these things can be when you get rid of it. It's like short term decision versus you know long yeah. term long term yeah. ban and all yeah. that. Yeah. They showed Mark Bright in the crowd sitting next to whoever, what's his name, the, the chairman, is it? And then Mark Bright, I've never seen Mark Bright look so grumpy in his life. He looked absolutely, I mean, obviously, just seeing his team beaten 5 0 and he'd seen this banner unfurled and everything, but he looked super grumpy. Go on. Yeah, Steve Parrish uh, is, Steve is Parrish, the man you're looking for. You. Uh, yeah, Mark Bright would have been there, I guess, in the uh, Crystal Palace ambassadorial right, uh, right. role. I think he he's pretty much there, come, come rain or shine, for Palace around the country. Um, yeah, I mean, what what face are you supposed to pull when you're? When oh, your I know, I know. It was funny. Like I know, it was funny. It was funny just you're to watch that the whole. Camera is not coming yeah. on. Do, to you. do you practice your TV face now, Josh? Just in case you know, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, that yeah. would have been in a bit pretty much to see uh, a few along from where I was the other week. I noticed George Graham was yes. uh, was there. Did you see that? And absolutely. Mikel yeah. was asked. I think by Miguel Delaney, who I'm I'm a big fan of, I might be mm. wrong, was asked in the in the in the post-match press conference, making reference to the fact that Arsenal had scored two corners, whether Arteta had ever met, like ever had a discussion with uh, George Graham, and who was of course so well known for the uh, success that we had from uh, corners back in the day. And, and Mikel <laughs> answered as if it was as if it was a bit of a silly question, but he went, "No, I haven't I haven't had the opportunity." <laughs> It's quite. He sort oh, well. of shut him down. But yeah, I thought it was a nice. I like the idea of it. Um, but good to see George there. Um, Lovely, yeah. Back at the uh, back at the club. I think Kenny Sampson, Kenny Sampson was, was there, there as well. Looking, he was, he was well. on the pitch before the game. Yeah, George Graham, seventy nine. I've just googled seventy nine. Good for him. Wow. Have you ever have you spoken to him? Either of you two, George? 
I have met George. I wasn't there. To, I'm always feeling like we might have been together. Boy, yeah, we were. We, we were. Yeah, yeah. I cut you out. The, yeah, yeah. There was a photo, and I cut out. I took a photo of George and someone else, and I cut the other person out. I can't remember who it was now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He hugely was, successful. Uh, he was, but let me just um, say, I, I spoke to him for about like two minutes, and he was as scary then as he was back in the glory days when he was a terrifying figure. Um, I think for many of the players and and supporters, um, but very fair. Someone also pointed out on Twitter that he probably didn't need a uh, set piece coach back in his day. He was the best set piece coach. I imagine. Yeah, um, I saw, I saw that too. Yeah, did you see that as well? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess it's time to take a break. After the break, I'm going to ask, go back. I guess we haven't answered the question, which is the key question, which is does that performance, does that victory mean we don't need any more signings? Let's think about that after this break. And we're back uh, from the break. Yeah, I mean, I still feel, I have to say, when I, I, you, Dean, I noticed you tweeted about the Liverpool performance. I just, I just watched that Liverpool 4 0 victory over Bournemouth at Bournemouth. I watched that with my Liverpool sporting mate. And um, it's quite clear, and that's without Salah. And it's quite clear they have a very, very effective forward line that they can call upon. Um, with like Jogo Jota, for example, he's like a brilliant finisher. And I just don't, I, then we've, we've, and we're now competing with them, who are top of the league by five points, and Man City, I think. I think it is the three of us competing. Hopefully Spurs will fall away quite soon and Villa similarly. But I feel like that's a massive advantage for them. Like they didn't even play that well in the first half and then they just stepped up a gear, scored four goals in about 20, 25 minutes. And I'm not sure we're capable of that in that similar situation in a way. I mean, I know we won five in the rest of that. You see what I mean? Yeah, it's a different different kind of goal-scoring threat I, I think Liverpool have. Um, the way I would describe them, it's not not clinical because they do, I think they missed the, they've missed the most yeah. big chances in the Premier League this season, right? Right. And they create, they create their fair share, but they're just potent. They're just so direct and influential in the final third. They get bodies forward. They create chaos. And, you know, whether it's a ball break into one of their players or they're getting a shot on target or they're just making sure that, you know, there's enough pressure. It, it just feels like when Liverpool go forward, something's going to happen because it's just, it's almost so chaotic and there's so many moving parts. Yeah. Whereas we're very well orchestrated and it's like a conductor, you know, going from side to side, it almost has to be the perfect goal at times. So that that's why they're such a threat. It's so hard to yeah. plan against, so hard to defend against because you just don't know what the pattern of play is going to be because they're so direct. And and, and that's a credit to Klopp and his style of football. Um, but, you know, the two times we've played them, you know, we've kept their expected goals, which is obviously the stat of today under one, which not many teams have done this mm. season or achieved. So um, whilst they are like very potent, very direct, look like they could score loads of goals. Um, I don't necessarily think they're that clinical. And I think if you do defend well against them, you know, you've got a good chance of beating them because they do concede goals as well. No, it's obviously a brilliant result for them today. I hadn't really clocked certainly coming out the stadium yesterday, our next game at home is against them, right? Yeah. We yeah. we have an absolute chance to turn this league title, you know, around, so to speak. You know, if we can if we can go and beat them, and you'd say failing to beat them is, you know, were, were we to lose, were they to repeat what they did to us in the FA Cup, and it's eight points by then, then you, you, you really fear that that is um, yeah. going to be incredibly difficult to turn around. But if if we can uh, if we can turn it around and beat them and you know do some of what Dean has just said on there and limit their opportunities, then uh, yeah, that's that's quite exciting. We just got the uh, small master of Nottingham Forest away mm. uh, in the meantime. But you, you're right, boy. It's absolutely a three way title, and and maybe people were still in a Arsenal have only got to get above Man City to to win the league. But I think Liverpool are, are proving that might not be the case. Oh, completely. And, and I, I think um, Dean makes a really good point about the For me, the Liverpool attack, the fact that they move around, those players are moving around, swapping positions all the time. Um, and, and it is chaotic. And I don't, it's interesting because it's almost like Arteta doesn't want our players to do that. He doesn't like the chaos. He wants them, Mark, you know, he wants. Well, it's Martin Eliotrosa hugging the touchline, Saka hugging the other touchline. As you say, part, then, you know, Ben White on the overlap. It's like, the, it's so familiar. And part of me does think, again, that when it is such fine margins, to use that cliche, the difference between having a very unpredictable attack and having a very predictable attack, albeit effective, as you say, we usually do find that magical way through, don't we? When we're facing, I mean, we didn't face the, face the low block as much against against um, Palace, but 
We do so often. Often we find our way through, or we had we had until recent weeks. But I do worry that that's such, and obviously Man City have got it as well. I mean, and so, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, surely we do need to buy another forward, don't we? I tweeted before the game um, yesterday that, uh, well, tongue in cheek, that you know, uh, Saka and Martinelli will be what Mane and Salah were a few years ago in their prime and peak at Liverpool, and. I think if we can get them to firing and you mm. know, Martinelli doubled his goal tally as Josh said, and we can hopefully see him in a more confident mode moving forward. If we can get them to firing, if we can get 20 goals out of them two in the next or the last 17 games of the season or whatever we've got left, um, will we need another striker between now and the end of the season? Probably not, but we're relying on them to kind of almost... That's a big if, isn't it? Exactly, right? I mean, yeah. Two players finding the form that they had last season. So if they can, then I don't... I think we can score enough goals... I think we can score enough goals, but I think ultimately the way that we we create attacks, the way that we build attacks is based on that controlled system that Arteta likes. And it's not necessarily to control the way we attack. It's more mm. that the player's in the right position when we lose the ball so that we go yeah. back and we don't get caught in transition. Whereas Klopp's more than happy to almost accept that he will get caught in transition every now and then because yeah. Liverpool will score more goals than you. But I, I think if you were to ask most Arsenal fans, do we need another forward option this window? Yes. But the reality is we're not going to have it. So our best bet is to get our two wide men firing at their best, scoring goals, creating assists. And then I think we're in with a chance. Uh, and, we should, uh, and, and, and I guess one of the plus points about not selling, as you say, it's quite clear. It seems quite clear that we cannot buy unless we sell. Is it like, you know, due to financial fair play or whatever it's called now? Um, which, by the way, I, that makes me... Oh, the fact that so many teams are hampered right now in this window and can't spend the kind of money they want to spend. I'm not saying there shouldn't be these rules, but it really highlights the outrageousness of the Man City situation, isn't it? That they've, you know, their 115 alleged breaks, rule breaks, are not going to be dealt with for ages and ages and ages. Meanwhile, everyone else has to scramble around making sure they don't break the rules. And it just shows you, boy, the the impact of action. Like they take yeah. action against Everton, the yeah. 10 points, and now everybody's yeah. super scared. To, yeah. to, to break yeah. the rules because yeah. actually the Premier League are taking action for people who do break them but I do agree as much as you know there's a process and you know there's legal elements to, to, to what needs to take place it doesn't look good for the Premier League that you know Everton's no. and Euphorious are being charged pretty quickly whereas you know the big boys seem to be uh, getting away with it for the time being yeah but what I was going on to say was that plus the only plus one about us not selling anyone is we're not selling Emil Smith-Rowe and it was great to see but one of the highlights of the game for me was him coming on with at least 20 minutes 25 minutes to show what he could do and I thought he made an instant impact and he's kind of like and he does what a lot of those Liverpool players do which he gets with the ball he can turn turn with the ball run and run at people or just you know dribble run at speed run at pace find gaps He's just, he is one of the more chaotic players that we've got in, I mean, causing chaos against the opposition. And I still think, I, I just think it's, and I know Arteta has been asked about it and I think he's acknowledged, he's, he said, or he said, you know, played lip service the fact he wants to give him more minutes and more time. But that's key for me. It's like, I just think he's a better bet. I think he's a better bet than Trossard, for example, you know, but what do you reckon? Do we, th- do we, it, it was good to see him getting more time, wasn't it, Josh, on Saturday, at least? He has had such limited opportunity. He, he mm. started the uh, game against Sheffield United that that five 0 but that was back at the end of October. Not not started a Premier League game since. And uh, yeah, I think it's now yeah yeah twenty one minutes yesterday, and he's only had twelve minutes in uh, two other separate wow. appearances going back to October. So yeah, he's still only on one hundred and thirty seven minutes for the season, which is mind boggling, really, yeah. when you you know con- consider how he has been perceived at certain points during his um, Arsenal career. Yeah, I thought he looked fresh. He looked uh, positive. Uh, he went forward. I mean, I, I thought even in that, you know, 10, uh, 11 minutes he got against West Ham when he came on, he was mm. trying to, you know, be on the front foot and, and be positive. But um, you just wonder, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but come the end of a season, it just can't be another year where we walk in with Ninketia, Smithrow, and Nelson all just cruising into next year's squad and getting the same Im- impact that, that they've had this season. I think they're going to have to be some decisions this summer. Mm. Yeah. 
Eddie had a good uh, ball, didn't he? He 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 made, he made the first of Martinez's goals, didn't he? I think um, with a pretty good pass, Dean. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, yeah, in, in front of his suitors as well, who who have had a look at him this window and, and would be interested in signing him in the summer. I think if Palace stay up, which I think I think they will. Um, but yeah, I agree with Josh. I think we're going to see the back of a couple of homegrown players, which will be sad because I think we all like to see academy players do well and break into the first team, but. I think that's just the reality of it. They they probably need to be moved on for decent money. Hopefully, you know they're on good contracts, um, and then we can reinvest in areas that we really need it. Do you have any insider, you know, kind of thoughts on why he's, Emil Smith Rowe has been had such few opportunities under Arteta in recent times? Fitness has been a big part of it. I think people forget that he's actually been injured quite a bit as well. Like he, I don't think he was completely fit at the start of the season. The Sheffield United game, Josh referenced, he picked up a knee injury in the first half. Bless him. He was so determined to carry on. He ended up making it a bit worse. And, and then he was out ever since then and only re- returned to the squad just after Christmas, I think. So I think a part of it's been injury. I think part of it's been overall fitness. Uh, look, look, I think... All of us would love to see him in that eight role because he takes the ball on the half turn. He lets it roll across his body. He helps us move through the phases much quicker. He's much more direct mm-hmm. than a Havertz, for example, in that role. But the issue will come down to, uh, in that position, can Mikel trust him in the defensive duels uh, from a fitness point of view to be able to get back in and into position uh, from a mobility standpoint? I think that's the big issues with Emil Smith-Rowe in that position. It's, you know, can he do the other side of the game, which Havertz clearly does, because we know what he can do going forward. And, and yeah, I think it's been a combination of fitness, um, just not giving him the opportunity to get a run, get form and, and make him, you know, make his name for himself in the team. Um, and as a result, he's got limited minutes. And yeah, unless something drastic happens in the second half of the season, you know, let's say Havertz gets injured and then Smith-Rowe becomes the number one option for that eight role. You know, I think in the summer there's probably going to be some changes there. I also think that to some extent it's, you know, we spent 60, what, 60, 65 million on Havertz. And I always think that when you do spend that amount of money on a player and you've got a homegrown player who could arguably do as well, if not better in that role, that you're, you, the manager very much sticks with the, the the man he spent that amount of money on just to kind of prove that he was right all along. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I feel like I'm still not convinced. Did Havertz contribute a massive amount? I don't know. Maybe I mean slightly. It's, it hasn't quite for me fully turned the corner into convincing us that he's a key player who could help us, you know, kind of um, challenge for the title, really. It was very good against Brighton before Christmas. Yes, like, he, he was. Yeah, a very good game, scored a goal. And I thought that was the, the turning point. But then even Liverpool away, he was very good, I thought. Won a lot of his duels, was very influential in okay. that match. Um, but then obviously when you have a bad run of results, your first players that get scapegoated are the ones that not everyone, lo- people don't love. You know, it's the yeah. players who have had a, a poor start to the season. So fingers get pointed at them very quickly. So I think we forget that actually before those those poor runs, uh, that poor run of results, he was actually coming into a good vein of form. And I thought he was fine yesterday. I don't think it was, he was fine, yeah. wrong with his performance. But uh, we also have to think of it from our perspective, Boyd. Yes, yeah. the club spent 65 million quid on Havertz, so they, they're almost like determined to make that work. We all love Emil Smith-Rowe, so we've, we've maybe got like rose-tinted glasses on when we think about him and his performances too, and we we want him to be successful, uh, yeah. maybe ahead of Havertz because of that. So definitely goes both ways. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to stick with Havertz for the, for the foreseeable. And you also highlighted Sinchenko's performance on Saturday, which I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was great. Now, here's the question, though, because he's, you, you showed us various stats, he was, you know, which proved how good he was. I love, him, I love watching him play as well. I just think he's such a fantastic footballer to watch. Yeah, but there is always that nagging thing yeah. about he against the big teams. Can he defend? And he or he is he is at fault, isn't he? A lot of the time, like he, you can take the ball off him, you can go past him. And you know, people like Alan Alga are very critical of him. You know, um, and I'm not. I'm still. And he was great. I think he can be great against mm. in this kind of situation when they give it. You know, but I'm not still not convinced against Liverpool. Say that that's going to work. Yeah, I need to verify this, but somebody did tweet me saying we've conceded more goals down the right hand side than down the left hand side since the start of last season. Okay. So I'll need I'll need to check that stat. So don't, yeah. don't, don't quote me on it just yet. But yeah, I, I understand it. And I think the issue with Zinchenko is when he makes a mistake, it's it's a glaring mistake, right? It's yeah. pretty obvious. He's not like he's out of position and a cross comes in and somebody scores. It's more he's given the ball away or he's been beaten too easily by by the winger. So we, mem- we remember it. But 
when he's in the team, we are a much, much better side. And I'd have him start every home game with no, no issue and the majority of away games. There were some games where I'd like to have a Tommy Asu or a Timber in there instead. But I would say of the poor run of results we've had in the last few weeks, uh, Boyd, the one bad performance out of all of them was Fulham. I actually thought mm. we were fine against West Ham. Yeah. It was terrible in both boxes. We were fine yeah. Liverpool away. We were actually good Liverpool at home in the first half and should have been 2-0 up before conceding you know, an own goal and then a last-minute goal that didn't really mean anything. You know, the player we missed the most, I think, was uh, the, the game that we were poorest was the Fulham game. Yeah. And that game, we never had Zinchenko. And yeah. when we didn't have Zinchenko, we don't have Zinchenko. We lack control in games. I think, you know, we don't keep possession as well. We don't rotate the ball uh, as well as we could. Um, and I just think he makes a big difference to our side. So I'd have him for his positive qualities in the side 80, 85% of the time. And then in the bigger away games where you're coming up against the world-class winner, let's get Tommy Asu in there. Let's get Timber in there. And mm. you don't have to play him every week anyway, right? I think Zinchenko hasn't got the concentration to be playing every week anyway. So you play him two games, you leave him on the bench one. That's not a problem. No, I'm not obsessed with playing the same players every single game. You know, Guardiola has shown that you don't need to play every player in the same position every week to be a successful team. So, um, so yeah, I'd have him in my side most of the time, Boyd. I think. He, yeah, you know, uh, I think I think I would as well. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, Josh, I mean, I think I think he's 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 um, the drawbacks of him are so glaringly obvious. It's like, not like you know Arteta isn't aware of what can happen and. Maybe he's, you know, he just needs to work harder in certain situations. It's also to do with what we do with him. You know, in fact, he does go so far forward into midfield and he always is going to leave that gap, isn't he, to some extent. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I, I I really like him, yeah. I, I think I probably wouldn't play him in, in, same as you, actually, I think I wouldn't play him in those big games. Sometimes even at home, I might not play him. But Josh? Well, it's fascinating to to think back to, that again, that opening day and, and Timber starting the season at left back and wondering what, what was the plan? for the whole mm. campaign and yeah Thomas Partey at right back and Timber at left back Ben White at centre back ahead of Gabriel um it's fascinating to think what, what could have been this season I, I think you've summed up boy we, we know the pros we know the cons and and we've been caught out at times it felt like we've almost been targeted not least at Liverpool where eventually it worked for them and Salah got their their goal against him and you, you felt that was the uh the likely way um it was going to go but Arteta has turned to alternatives at points this season hasn't he I think Kiwior has, has probably played a little bit more um you know or certainly been given a, a handful of starts that maybe wouldn't wouldn't have necessarily expected so there have obviously been um moments where Arteta has decided there are better options but um if, if we're talking about who should be playing most of the time I think it is hard to make an argument away from Zinchenko for because of because of what he could do, and um, yeah, it, it looks from the outside like he's a very popular member of the squad as well. And uh, yeah, look, he, he clearly cares, and the passion he talks about, and bringing a little bit of that Man City winning mentality to this squad. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he he, I'm with you. The the pros probably just about outweigh the outweigh the cons, but as and when uh, Timber is back. Mm. I think there could be a really interesting situation there. Now, talking of Timber, I don't, Dean, did you spot this about these Adidas Predators that Timber was handing out? Boy, did you did you get down to the armory to try and nab yourself a pair of £19.99 Predators? I missed that. No, I know. I didn't. But, um, yeah, what's he doing? Did you follow this, uh, Dean? Yeah, I saw it. As soon as I saw it, I sent it to my friends who live a bit more local than me around the ground. One went over there, actually. But by the time he got there, there was already a massive queue. But... Was it handing out like cheap predators or something? Yeah, I think it was a a a partnership between Pro Direct and um, Adidas, and they basically slowly um, on social media, I think uh, the day before, gave clues. Uh, and basically, yeah, it was the first time I've sort of seen Timber in quite a while. But he he was there as uh, many uh, came to try and nab themselves a, a pair of these cheap. Predators, which was uh, also a launch to the fact that there is a new Predator boot yeah. out. But I didn't know, Boyd, if you're still, you know, doing your five and seven aside, um, <laughs> you know, on a Tuesday night that you wanted your new Preds for. They'd suit you, boy. Thanks, mate. Yeah, 11 aside every Sunday, obviously. Um, What's uh, your no, position, boy? Um, I think I, I kind of like um, full back here, yeah, kind of, you know, I think I can play. Well, I'm like Zinchenko. A bit like Zinchenko, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not so good when I'm uh, going fancing into midfield positions. But yeah, solid traditional midfield. old school fullback. I think I'm saying. Kieran yeah. Tierney style. 
Yeah, Kieran Tierney style, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. on Timber, actually, Josh, have you heard any 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 murmurs or rumours of his imminent return to the match day squad, which would be remarkable? Um, you know, I've heard a few rumours, or I, I would say actually stronger than rumours about how he's progressing. But I wonder if you've heard anything on the on the grapevine. I think he's been asked, hasn't he, in in some of these uh, press conferences, what the situation is, and he's he's sort of being sort of lukewarm, isn't he, in, in terms of, I guess they just don't want to put pressure, right, um, on on the situation. I think he, let me just uh, let me just recap what he said here. Arteta was asked uh, about seeing Timber on the grass in Dubai. Despite rumours of return next month on social media, Arteta, 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 Arteta was keen to ground expectations, but did provide some hope we may see the Dutchman before the end of the season. So I think that's really been the the tone because he said there is a possibility when asked if he would play again this season. But at the moment, he's really far away from competing. That's a realistic picture of it. We're hopeful he can have an impact at the end of the season if everything goes well. It looks like there's a chance that can happen, but it's too early to make that call. So, hopefully, for that vital run in for those big five, six games on the way to winning <laughs> the title, Timber is back. More importantly, is Declan Rice. Do we have any update on that? Because he was he he mouthed Tammy, didn't he? Very, very, very visibly when he was taken off. And I wonder whether that's like, you know, often players feel their hamstring, but it doesn't mean that maybe the hamstring's gone and that it's going to be out for the next six months. So, but do, we, do you have any update on that? Because no, that would be a I, fucking disaster. I imagine, it's, I imagine <laughs> it's one that becomes well, and also the fact there isn't an Arsenal game. You know, we don't have a press conference, I guess, until um, well, I imagine the day before the the Nottingham Forest game, probably that that Monday. So um, I don't think we'll, we'll get an update straight away. But if it was particularly bad news, I suspect we'll know in the next uh, day or two. But it certainly felt more precaution, and when you're three 0 up. You mm. don't even think about taking risks, do you? And that was the same with with Gabriel. So it's, it's a bit hard. But if to, he gets injured, that is... but you're right. They definitely yeah. said, "Hammy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to mention um, the worst. Just to think about the uh, the warm weather break that we had in um, where was it? Dubai? Was it Dubai? Yes, Dubai. Dubai. And of course, I, I I want to point out the worst thing about the whole thing. You know what I'm going to say? Here? Do you know what I'm referring to? Mizrat uh, Steak Restaurant. Yes. Thank yeah, you, indeed. We'll agree on that. Do not, Mikhail, if you're listening, and I know you're probably tempted to listen to a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of Arsenal podcasts out there, but I'm sure this is the one you listen to if you listen to any. Do not associate yourself with that fucking salt bay idiot. <laughs> it's like, what was he thinking? And um, the funniest thing about it was, is that every, all Arsenal fans, I didn't see anyone defending him. No one was going, oh yeah, that's a good thing it's to in, be shown. indefensible. And you can see the look in his eyes. He instantly yeah. regrets what's just happened. I can imagine it's such an awkward position to be in. He's in there, he's giving you the whole show, and and then he just put thrust that upon you. What do you do? Do you say no? You turn yes. the away? <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure he looks embarrassed. He looks yeah. so embarrassed by it. I mean, why is he in the restaurant in the first place? Because you run the yeah. risk. Yeah, don't go to the, the restaurant. Who, yeah. This is the man who ran on the, you know, who wants yes. to be around the oh, World yeah. Cup and make it all about him, never mind Messi. I mean, if a man is dangling a, a, a knife <laughs> that meets over you, you can just point at your plate and go, thanks so much, mate. I'll put that on my plate. When you put your mouth to his knife, oh, it, yeah. it's. Uh, you imagine how heroic it would have been if he told him to piss off, though. I mean, that would have been like, he would have, you know, sealed his reputation. And it led to, uh, what's really funny is it led to this, this was the headline in the mail, which the ma- mail is brilliant at long. Mikel Arteta shares cringeworthy exchange with Salt Bay. As Arsenal fans joke, the restaurant experience costs more than buying Ivan Tony after viral Dubai interaction during warm weather training trip. That was the headline. That was one headline in the mail's coverage of, I like how they managed to bring in Ivan Tony. Warm the training. The, the yeah. only thing in defence of Mikel Arteta in the situation is, if I recall right, it looks like his son appears uh, at one point doing the salt uh, thing. Yeah, really? And maybe I like to think the son was really keen on meeting this fella and therefore Arteta was actually just being a good dad okay. right, and just trying okay. to insane his son in some way. That's if I want to look through a very positive yeah. lens on this. Yeah. But yeah, generally yeah. it was a, a little bit cringeworthy. Boyd, have you ever been to one of his... Doesn't Isn't there... There is one in London, isn't there, Boyd? I think so, yeah. Do you know what? I actually might have been. I've been to... I went to... One someone took me once for yeah for a business a lunch at a really expensive steak restaurant and I don't know whether because I, I don't think Salt Bay was a thing at the time but it was definitely like has a similar 
kind of thing aura to it shall we say and it was horrendous i'm obviously i don't even eat meat so it was completely lost on me but um yeah uh, no i haven't been to what you're criticizing mikhail here while at the same time just saying you spend most of your evenings at nusa (laughs) at steakhouse uh in knightsbridge Knightsbridge, which has an average rating of three star on uh on on google um yeah say one star Three star, oh, but I mean, like, if you've yeah. got three star off fourteen hundred and forty five reviews, that's it, it, not great. It, it kind of no. suggests there might be. Uh, I'm just reading just one out here. After visiting the Nusra in Bodrum, I thought I'd give this one a try. Very disappointed with the whole experience. I can now see why it has an average of two point nine stars. So it's obviously just gone up. Mm. And if they don't up their game, I won't be surprised if this place no longer exists in 12 months. Um, well, maybe Mikel will be seen there um, <laughs> in coming weeks. I'm not, no, boost, please God. Please God, Could no. Well, if we win 5-0 after every time he goes there, I think we'll have to send them there every week. Oh, God, Boyd, don't say that. If Mikel, if Mikel Arteta said, I have been listening to the pod, and yeah. I'd love to take you for dinner, but we've got to go for dinner <laughs> at, at Steakhouse in Knightsbridge, would you attend? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I have no principles. Yeah, like uh, many people you could think of, you know, no one in particular. I have no principles when it comes to... I, I don't think I'd ever go to the one in Dubai, though. I don't think I'd ever set foot in Dubai, ever, in my life. I think that's my general feeling. I mean, you know, I find the whole idea completely um, horrendous, to be fair. So uh, yeah, you won't you won't you won't find me doing that, nor Saudi Arabia, nor Qatar. I'm 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 ruling out my my presence in any of those places right now. Just to just you know, just to say, you look shocked, Josh. Oh, you're about to go somewhere like that. <laughs> I've been to Dubai. I think. I'm oh yeah, for the World too. Cup. Oh, I think that's different. I think you have to go with your yeah with your people for the World Cup. That's different. Oh, don't have to defend me, Boyd. We can we can we I'll can fall me. out and never speak again. This was great doing the podcast. <laughs> it's been an amazing eight nine years. Don't say but we've that. fallen out over your refusal to go yeah. to Dubai. Really, yeah. the person to blame it's for the whole real. of the podcast. My one man uh, boycott. My one. <laughs> it's all pay. It's all down to salt pay. Yeah. Here's a final question before we go to predictions for the. By the way, the schedule is mad, isn't it? Like, why have we got to wait like nearly two weeks to our next? Because we're out of the FA then, Cup. Out of the FA Cup. Oh, okay. And obviously, right. you have to allow that most of the Premier League teams, uh, and, uh, yeah. and of course, most of the Premier League teams are in the Premier League. So we, yeah. we've got the extra time off, but then we, of course, we go into the midweek. Uh, games which are all going to be on the uh, the Tuesday, Wednesday. All those games, uh, I believe, are yeah. on TNT. Oh, the majority are on TNT. You can catch Martin Kian as part of the coverage of Nottingham Forest um, Arsenal. I'm going up to Nottingham very much, looking exclusive uh, forward to uh, to that. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. We, then we've got the weekend the other, games. The other thing I'm saying, the show, I don't just mean us. I mean generally the schedule's mad. Like Man City haven't got a league game for like months. Practically, it's really, it's really weird. I heard that. I think the stat is Liverpool play eight games in a month and Man City play three. I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know if that's true. But I heard City that- are back on the Wednesday. They've got Burnley uh, on the Wednesday. Okay. I mean, obviously, they had the situation of going to the Club World Cup. So that's why, you know, they're a, yeah. a, little, bit, a little bit behind. But don't okay. worry. Man City um, and Arsenal, of course, will have their Champions League back in February. So uh, we'll be pretty busy again pretty soon. Is anyone going to Porto, brother? Are you flying to Porto? Um Dean? Not myself this time, but I will be there. Looking forward to it. We'll also be at Forest, not quite as glamorous um, next week. But uh, yeah, looking forward to Porto. Good draw for us, I think. So yeah. Or are you yeah. going to Porto? Uh, we're thinking about. It. We're mulling it over the, um, the the group that I'm I'm with. Yeah, I don't think we've taken any firm decision yet. What about you? It's a good thing you've got such brilliant connections. That you don't have to worry about <laughs> tickets and you can <laughs> well, stroll out steady. and you'll get steady. that private plane no, no, no. revved up from whatever <laughs> place you keep it Monday to Friday. <laughs> No, no, I'm not saying we'll we'll succeed in if we do try and try. No, and I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you keep me posted, boys. You keep okay. me posted. Yeah. Um, Dean, Dean is uh, fl- flying out there, but not flying himself. No, no, not right. flying okay. this time. Not this time. Yeah. Dean, what's the longest no. like distance you've ever flown? <clears throat> I, uh, I think it's from Lons is probably the furthest distance that I've flown so far. About. Um, okay. In terms of nautical miles, or yeah, probably Lons. But um, Dean, Dean was the only one hoping for PSG. Just yeah, thought it'd be yes. convenient, didn't he? For Ideally, his, uh, yeah. West Coast of Europe, please, uh, Champions yeah. League people. Okay. Good. We better okay. predict, Boyd, what's going to happen. Yeah. Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest away um, uh, Tuesday, the thirtieth of January, seven thirty p.m. Well, I'm going to come to you first, Dean. 
Well, we play first, as in we play before everyone else. I think everyone else plays on the Wednesday primarily, yeah. and we're yeah. on the Tuesday. So an opportunity to put points on the board first again, which is good. Um, we've actually struggled at Forest away the last few times, mm. haven't we? We lost there in the Cup. See, we lost there last season as well towards the back end when when Nottingham Forest confirmed their survival, uh, and that was pretty much it for the title race for us as well. You guys, oh no, I'm an optimist, and I think on the back of yesterday's performance, we should hopefully do the business. But yeah, look, let's hope Declan Rice is there and available because I think that makes a big difference in these kind of away games. But I'll go for a solid two nothing away win. Mm. Forest, of course, complaining by the way, aren't they, to um, PGMOL about the Ivan Tony shifting of the ball eight centimeters, which is quite comical. I think um, you asked. I saw you asking whether. His performance matched, you know, the fact that he's... I, he, I thought he was really good, I have to say. For a player who hasn't played competitive football, for that amount of time, I thought he was really, really good. It does remind you, he is a really excellent player because he's technically really good. He's also, he, he, you know, he has got a really good, really good strike rate and he's a massive guy and he kind of causes pandemonium. So he has got it all, really. Um, I, yeah. I think it kind of makes sense that he's going to cost as much as he is going to cost whoever buys him in the end. Um, yeah, and he, he couldn't be uh, advertising himself more, could he? But um, yeah, good luck to him. And I mean, Forest need to have a look at themselves. I'm afraid oh, I, I yeah. don't think our former goalkeeper crowned no. himself in glory Terrible. much as Terrible I really like. Terrible like Matt Turner. And he, talking of Dubai, was incredibly friendly to me in Dubai when oh. Arsenal were doing their uh, little uh, post when players went out of the World Cup and they were all in Dubai. But he recognised so a fellow. I won't criticise him. Well, he recognised a fellow um, staunch Jewish Arsenal fan. He is, he's, he's a member he's of the community, a, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think, well, it really felt like the, the Forest Wall should have clocked on what was... Oh, 100%. Was, you know. Terrible. Anyway, um, Forest have been better under under Nuno, so um, I think it is a challenging game, but there's not that much room for error if we if we are mm. going to stick in this title race. So uh, I think we will, we will stick in there with a 2-1 win, I think, boys. Yeah, um, we have to win. Yeah, we do have to win. So I'll go, um, I'm going to go 3-2. I think it might be a bit hectic, helter-skelter, yeah. Because Forrest, they do, they do pretty hectic in that game. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Thank you so much, Dean, for taking time out of your Sunday evening. Um, thank you. And, uh, and to Josh as ever. And yeah, we won't be back for a while because of this epic break between now and the Forest game. But, you know, we can all, we can all chillax and maybe there'll be some chance for speculation we can follow. Who knows? See you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.